Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Teixeira, and sitting across from me is John Teixeira. This week, we are back to talk about uh, the tax implications of selling your rental property. Now, if you have any questions, uh, concerns, or just want to talk to us uh, and don't want to come down the way down to downtown Mansfield, uh, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. Or you can listen further in this episode to find the tax implications of selling your property. <laughs> what are those, John? Well, there's a couple of them. And, and Kyle, you forgot to make the disclosure that we're not tax accountants, tax attorneys. We're not any of that stuff, right? Any, any content you hear in this episode or anything we discussed is for solely our opinions. And uh, we are not financial advisors. This is not financial advice. We are not tax advisors. <laughs> we are not lending advisors. And we are not real estate. It, well, we, we, well are we are real estate, estate advisors. advisors. Yeah, so. <laughs> that, that we are. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job, Kyle. Way to go. Way to disclose. So, um, you know, most of what we're going to talk about today, you can you can go online and Google it and find out all you need to know about about what we're going to talk about today. So, um, but I think it's interesting that a lot of people don't think about this topic, especially in the current market that we're in. Everyone's looking kind of, I don't want to use, it's not the word greedy, but they're looking at dollar signs, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're seeing a ton of equity in their homes and they're thinking about should, is it a good time for me to cash in? Right. Um, and, but they don't stop to think about, okay, maybe it is a good time to cash in on your $150,000 in equity you all of a sudden have. What are the implications on that? Because there are some, and there you can't is. go back and not sell that property, right, or take it back. Well, well, well we can't, we're actually going to get yeah. into a way you can do that, but it all requires for, you know, to be thought about before beforehand. You know? Yeah, you definitely, before you make the decision and you take the time and invest the time and invest somebody else's time, like a real estate agent or somebody else into doing this, definitely look into what this implication is and make sure it's something you want to do. Because Kyle, you and I talk about it all the time when, when, when clients call us and say, hey, should I sell? The answer is always the same. No. Like, hang on. If you don't need the money, hang on to it. If you need the money, that's a separate thing, right? Then, then by all means, this is a vehicle for you to get the money that you need, then go get it. But if you don't need the money, don't sell it. It's going to continue to appreciate. But different topic. What is it going to look like when we do make the decision to sell? We have it under contract. We're at the closing table now. What am I looking at? What are my tax implications? And really, there's two of them. What, you want to get us started, Kyle? Well, no. The first first one is the tax on that sale, which is capital gains tax. That's right. right. That's the simple one. If you weren't thinking about that before you sell it, you definitely shouldn't have sold your property because uh, you should know that the capital gains is, uh, is, is a tax that's imposed on all capital gains. What was the second one? The second one is a depreciation repayment tax, which is which if you depreciate if you use that depreciation method in your taxes then you already know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about then that's probably cuz you don't use depreciation on your rental property. So I'm not going to get into it too much. You can google that if you want, but basically if you take a depreciation uh, it's not a credit, right Kyle? It's a it's a um it comes off of your income on your taxes, right? It's a deduction, yeah. Yeah, it's a deduction. That's the word I'm looking for. Then 
the IRS is going to want that back. If you've been taking it for future years, especially, right, they're going to want that back when you sell it. And that's, that's the bottom line. So that's what that is. So those are the two main things you're going to be looking for. Yeah, but the biggest one, the the biggest one we're going to focus on is capital gains tax because that's the money out of your pocket. That's what you're going to pay. Say you, you, your example is, you know, 150 grand in equity that you're cashing in on. Um, You're not going to get to keep that 150 grand. Um, Just like everything else in life, the IRS is going to want a piece of that. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So, and and it is different. So there is a slight consideration that it, it's not taxed based on your income bracket. There's specific brackets for, well, let me rephrase that. It's not taxed as your, like your normal income is and your normal income bracket. There's separate brackets for capital gains thresholds. There is. And if you want to go through that with you, let's also, let's also point out there's also two different types of capital gains. So there's short-term capital mm-hmm. gains and there's long-term capital gains. Short-term capital gains is those, those people that are flipping homes, right? If we buy a home fix it up and sell it within a year, that's considered a short-term capital gain. And there's not much you can do about that. That's pretty much set in stone at 24%. You should, you should count that into your, you should count that 24% capital gains into your calculations when figuring out what your net profit is going to be. Yeah, and some people it's taxed on your income, right? It just depends on what it is. Yep. Um, but we're going to talk about the long-term capital gains specifically because most rental properties, pretty much everyone selling their rental property had it leased out or rented for at least a year. Um, so they pretty much always come come under the long-term capital gains category. Well, so, hey, before you get into these three different levels, let's 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 define <coughs> what what we mean by capital gains, right? Okay. Because yeah. so that is the difference between what you purchased it for however many years ago and what you're selling it for today right really is that simple you bought it for 100 grand you selling it for 250 grand you're cashing in that 150 in equity um the 150 is your capital gains it's actually you know the net after fees and everything what you you know what you get in your pocket at closing that's right and that's the rates we're about to talk about that you're going to share with us right now is based on that amount not the total sales price yeah so i mean it starts off at zero actually uh if you make less than forty thousand four hundred as an individual or eighty thousand eight hundred as, as a married couple, you pay zero on those capital gains. So. Hey, we should we should we should point out that these are 2021 numbers. Yes, they and are. They change every single year and based they, on inflation. <laughs> we know what inflation. I was going to say they like did today. change this year, but um, but yeah, there's, this is just a baseline for the, for the example. So, and then 15 percent is the next threshold. So, um, if you're not, you know, it, it really goes based on the median. You know, very close to the median mm-hmm. income average. Um, so 15 is 40 to 445,000. So, um, and if you're married, it's, you know, up to 500,000. And then it goes up to 20% after, uh, you know, that, that threshold of 445,000. Um, in, if you're married, it's only 500,000. So it doesn't actually give you that 20%. It, it's pretty much over, over half a million. You're paying 20% in capital gains. And most people are going to fall in that 15% capital gains range. I mean, that's where majority of our population, people that are investing and have rental properties are going to fall in that range, right? Um, So, and and so using that example, we brought a little example um, uh, of if we've got somebody with taxable income, between that 80 and 496, right? That's where we are in 15%, right? So we got a married couple. 
Tactical Williams come right in the middle at 280, right? And they've got a $100,000 rental property. They're basically paying $15,000, right? If they've got a $200,000 rental property, they're paying $30,000 in capital gains. If Are they doing that at the closing table, Kyle? No, no, they're not. So it's kind of like when you get when you work as a 1099 employee, right? Where you're going to get a 1099 and the IRS is going to get a 1099 of how much you walked away That's with. Right. So, and you're going to be expected <laughs> to have that money when tax season comes around or tax So one of the questions, around. one of the questions title companies ask you when you're closing at the table is have you lived in this home for the two of the last five years? And we're going to get into that as our third way to, to, to reduce these or eliminate these taxes. But, but they ask that question for one reason, one reason only. They want to know whether they need to report this to the IRS or not. Mm-hmm. They have a legal obligation to report, if you answer a certain way, to report it directly to the IRS, just like you just said. Yes. And to be clear, we're not telling you how to answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> we are specifying you the... You always um, be honest with yeah, people, shouldn't you? Isn't that what I taught you, Kyle? I mean, come on. Well, what's the first way? You just tease people with the third way. What's the first way? All right. Well, the first way is actually kind of interesting. I've never employed it. So, I'm, I'm, and I would say if you need to know more about it, you definitely want to uh, look into it. Um, but it's a way to offset your gains with your losses. And it's called tax loss harvesting. And Kyle, I think you know more about this even than I do, but apparently you can use other investments, whether it's real estate and even stocks, stock losses to to offset your 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 gain in what you're currently closing on. Yeah, so I mean it's 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 called tax loss harvesting. In reality, you're trying to reduce your tax um, obligation. So say you bought, you know, we're talking about real estate here. So uh, you 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 have a hundred thousand dollars from a rental property you sold that uh, you know you're going to owe a capital gains on. You could have uh, a stock portfolio that was that you you know say you have stocks that you've held in there for five to ten years or whatever it may be um and say there's a bunch of them that are down or it doesn't even need to be stocks other investments whatever it is so you have unrealized losses somewhere else you can go intentionally realize those losses like selling stocks at a loss mm-hmm. um you can go intentionally intentionally do that to offset your gains that you already realized that year because your tax based on your capital gains on a realized basis um, and what that means is unrealized could be the value of something you own went down or up but you haven't sold it you're just hanging on to it as that value fluctuates you're not taxed on it constantly obviously until you realize it and you do that by selling it so um, collectively all your investments across you know, portfolios and, and different asset classes, um, you, that's what tax loss harvesting is, is if say one asset class you own made a whole bunch and you want to offset it with one that lost a whole bunch, um, you would sell those losses so that you can, you know, reduce your tax bill. I, th- I think, again, I'm not a tax accountant, but I think it's losses that are realized in the same year. Yes. Right? Yes, correct. I should have specified that tax. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm selling it this year in 2022. I also, a month ago, just sold some stock from XYZ Corporation and I lost my butt on it. I can take that loss, right? And put it against. So I lost $20,000. I'm gaining 100000 So on my tax return at the end of the year, when I have to report my $100,000 capital gain, 
I can offset it with my $20,000 loss that I had. And whether it was before or after, I don't think it matters. I believe it's just in that calendar year. Yeah, it's just in the calendar tax year. And then before you go take that advice and do it, make sure you know the tax implications yeah. of realizing or harvesting that other asset class. Because like for stocks, stocks, for example, there's time periods that you couldn't rebuy what you sold. So, um, you know, don't take that advice without researching those asset classes too. Uh, But, you know, that's really what it is. And in the flip side of that is there's, there's also thresholds and limits to losses. So sometimes tax loss harvesting is to not lose money without it being a tax benefit. So, say that there's a certain tax class or asset class like stocks you personally own um, there's a limit to how much you can you can write off in losses per year mm. personally there's ways to get around that but if you know if you're stuck in that situation and you lost 20 grand um, and you can only write off three grand of it well you don't want that 17 grand to not help your tax bill right you already lost it so you can you know sell um, realize, uh, gains in other places to help that help that ability. Another so. stock, a house, um, any other investment. Yeah, so that seventeen grand that you can't you can't deduct as a loss, you can deduct from your other gains right. and help yep. towards the tax bill. It. Otherwise, it goes to waste. And so. this is the kind of stuff that really smart and really rich people do, don't they? It is. It is. So, so why I'm not going to claim to be a CPA, and that's <laughs> part of the disclosure on here, so because <laughs> it gets complicated. And we're not smart. We're not rich either. The are financial we? system and the assets. <laughs> system is all very complex and it's that way intentionally so um which is also why there's you know rich people tell you why they never sell their rental properties is because uh you can borrow against uh, not just rental properties it's real estate and assets they can borrow against them um like in equity loans we've talked a lot about this stuff right we're talking about 15 or 20 percent here in capital gains well when you go borrow against your property even in today's high mortgage rates we're all hearing about at 6%, I'm pretty sure you'd rather pay 6% to the bank than 20 and 15% to the IRS, um, especially since they're just going to print more and you know cause more problems than we have now. So you make a great point, and this isn't really one of our ways to avoid it, but so what you're saying is pull your equity out before you sell it so that you don't have as much capital gains? Never sell it. Always pull it out in equity never well, pay that's capital gains that's what that's what I'm the billionaires sure what tell I you just to do said is not is not true not 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 right so so what? if you're listening to me right now <laughs> and you just don't forget what i just said because i'm pretty sure that that's not well, right. this, is like, a, this is like this is like a plus method of doing this and this is kind of tax loss harvesting yep. it's, it's it's just avoiding them completely is you say the same example 150 grand in equity you were to sell it you were to realize it you know we just described how that would go you pull out a hundred of it, pay six percent over thirty years. You know that that becomes a lot less than um, you know. I'm not going to get into the time value proposition of money. I'm going to have to if I take that one. Well, too this far, is interesting. Far, no, this is interesting because I, I feel like we might be confusing some people because I'm confused now. <laughs> so if I'm confused, then some other people might well, if you're be confused, confused. Don't do it. But so I, I feel I think our capital gains though is is calculated solely on the purchase price when you first bought it and the sales price of when you're selling it. That's correct. And not all the stuff in between, like pulling money out and putting other mortgages on it. 
I don't think has an impact on what your capital gains. Doesn't is. have an impact because it wouldn't impact it. It would, okay. there would be no capital gains. So, so you did confuse me, but that's not <laughs> what you meant. I didn't mean what you thought you meant. Okay, One way to it. avoid it is don't sell it and pull the money out in financing. Steve, I might not be smart enough for this podcast. <laughs> you might need to find another co-host for Kyle. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 1031 exchange. That is the second option. It's the second option, the most commonly used, right? It's the one you hear about the most that people use. And it's, e- it's really the easiest one. It's the one the IRS gives us to be able to kick the can down the road. It sounds like a number in a stock exchange. What, what, are, we, <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fund that you set up with a third party. And we're actually going to be bringing on an expert that, that runs these funds. Mm-hmm. for you and runs these exchanges for people and we're going to be bringing them on next work next week to dive into this at, at length and we'll answer all questions 1031 exchange but in essence what it is is it's like a separate fund that a third party sets up and when you want to sell a piece of property you can put it into this fund and now go buy one two or three more properties with that money and not pay capital gains on anything but what is left in the fund. You're calling it a fund. It's more like a, like a trust account. You know, third third party holding yeah. on. You can't hold the money. Yes. So and keep this simple. You sell it. You have $100,000 net from your rental property sale. You could do everything we just talked about and, and get taxed capital gains at the end of the year or... If you predetermine this, that sale at the sale, that net hundred thousand goes to this indifferent third party that holds it for a certain amount of time while you reinvest it into other assets. So, say you're able to buy one twenty-five thousand dollar down payment, another twenty-five thousand, another twenty-five thousand. Now you got three other rental properties for seventy-five out, and now you're done. You know, or you spend say another ten on stocks or whatever, whatever the asset classes you want to put it in, and you got twenty left. Well, now you're 80s reinvested and avoiding capital gains, and you have 20 left that you're going to keep in your pocket. Now you're going to pay capital gains on that remaining on 20. 20. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's high and level. The rest of it, and the rest of it, I call kicking down the road because you're still going to pay capital gains on that someday when you finally sell that property, right? You're going to pay capital gains at some point. But for now, you didn't have to pay capital gains because you brought it from one investment property to another one. They call it like kind. And and even with the like kind, like meaning you're doing going from a single family or from multifamily to multifamily. I've seen people actually go from multifamily, single family. So I'm not sure why they even still use that term, but they also allow you to go from, I've got here, I could just doing a proposal today for somebody who's netting 1.2 million on a single home. Okay. Investment property. Um, in case you're wondering, it's in Hawaii. That's why it's so so darn much money. And they are they're looking at buying one, two, or three properties. And they and I had to put together a proposal for what that looks like to do that because they're using the 1031 exchange three property rule. Um, we'll get into all of that way deeper next week. But in general, you you nailed it, Kyle. You can take your your funds from one property to another one. Don't have to worry about paying those capital gains on it. Except for, like you said, whatever's left, whatever mm-hmm. you don't spend. Mm-hmm. So it's most investors do a lot of work and overanalyzing trying to spend every dollar because, you know, nobody likes paying taxes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the answer. Nobody <laughs> likes paying taxes. Nobody likes paying taxes. <laughs> Especially all at once in one lump sum, right? <laughs> so. 
So what other ways can we avoid it? 1031 well, exchange is one that you know not a lot of people know about. And if you don't, and that sounds interesting, get more information on it because it's a great way to transfer the uh, gains. Well, I think most people that know much about capital gains know that there's an exclusion for their primary residence. But what they may not know is how it works. Mm-hmm. And that is that it it says that if you have resided in the home for two of the last five years, you can consider it a primary residence and it's taxed just like a primary residence is, okay, which means up to $250,000 per individual is exempted and 500000 per married couple is exempted, like no tax, right? So, but it doesn't have to be continuous residency. You could live in it for for six months and move out and have a tenant in it for a year and come back and live in it for another year and move out and have a tenant in it for a year and live in it for six months. And, and you technically you lived in it for two years, right? Out of the last five years. Doesn't have to be continuous. Doesn't have to be the beginning, the end, the middle. Doesn't matter. Just that you lived in it for two of the last five years. Mm-hmm. And then if you, you know, if, if it's more than that... <laughs> Then you're paying the, the, on on what hey, the overage I mean, is, depending on yeah, and depending on how savvy you are, right? Maybe you could, you know, I don't know, move into it for for you know, you know, you you lived in it for a year and then you start renting it out, so I need another year. Move into it for a year, rent your primary house out to your kid, sell it, avoid all the tout capital gains, kick your kid out, and move back into it. Two of the last five years. Two of saying yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I was already in it for a year. Then I rented it. So now I need to only go back for one more year in, in my example. But, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, just a different savvy way. It's the only other way I know of to avoid it. And, you know, that's pretty much, those are the main ways that you want to avoid, you know, try to avoid capital gains tax. But at, at the end of the day, the implications of selling your rental property, the most important one is knowing them. You know, yeah, it, absolutely. Knowing them before you make that decision, because if you don't, you should look into all these things. Maybe the uh, do the math on the equity, uh, pulling it out as equity, and <laughs> that I was talking about. But um, we'll have that for you in another episode. Because yeah, you know what? Let, let's leave everybody with this, Kyle. I, I like to leave everything on a positive note because taxes aren't fun to talk about, right? Like, God, I hate them. But, um, but. The reason why we have this problem is actually a good thing, right? It's like I always say people, people always complain about the property taxes going up. It's like, well, yeah, but let me remind you, they're going up because so did your value, right? And your property based. tax is only 0.026 of your, your entire value. I mean, come on, like, like, let's be, let's, let's keep the whole picture. So this is kind of the same thing. The reason why you have this quote unquote problem that you now have to worry about how not, how to avoid taxes is because you got a bunch of equity and you what got you equity because a, you did all the right things. Why did we bring up the capital loss tax? <laughs> they don't hey, tax your losses. Steve, can you, can you get on indeed please and see if you can find a co-host for him? <laughs> if you want to learn about capital loss taxes, Google wash sales. Not smart enough for him, Steve. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, all right. Well, 
if you guys have any questions about uh, how to avoid, you know, really, should you sell your rental property or the <laughs> tax implications if you do decide to sell your rental property, give us a call, 817-818-9039. We will talk as much as we can about it and then send you to a uh, financial advisor that <laughs> can talk about it further. <laughs> um, or shoot us an email, show, show me, me the, the money, money at wertpm.com. Almost had that. What was the email address again? Show, show me, me the, the money. money at wertpm.com or come by our office in downtown Mansfield and say what's up. We are out. Ada, Ada.